0: Being human, in a lot of ways, I think when you just started as a newer leader, oftentimes feel scared to be vulnerable. I think it makes us create a little bit barrier with a team we work together. But I think it's a contrary, making you be a much more effective leader. If you're being human, knowing you don't know everything and being a good listener.
1: And this is Scaling Clean the podcast for clean economy, CEOs, investors, and the people who advise them. I'm your host, Mike Casey. My day job is running TigerCom, a firm that counsels companies that are helping move the US economy onto a more sustainable footing. I get to meet the people who are succeeding at building, funding, or advising the most successful companies in your sectors. So each show, we try to bring you usable insights from these leaders so you can apply them to the business of running your business. Hello, clean techers, we designed the show to bring you management and leadership wisdom from experienced company leaders. And today I'm bringing you perspective from someone who not only co-founded her own company early in her career, but she's also led the US presence for three different international clean tech firms. And Jing Tang is also Dr. Tang with a PhD in chemistry. She's now the chief growth officer of Tygo Energy, and I know she's got valuable lessons learned from a career of building and managing teams, some of which were international in their scope and their focus. Jing, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, Thanks, Mike. It's my pleasure.
1: Let me start with your background. How would you summarize your career to date as a company leader?
0: I had a great fortune, actually really fortunate, be able to take on various different roles um, in a various different company throughout my career. I think that really built my foundation being a leader, really growing various different skill sets when I, you know, coming from a scientist background. And I started my career as a research scientist and then, you know, later on going to more as a technology leader, um, later on with uh, funding a company, which allowed me to see how a company operates, uh, technology is not sufficient, we need to have a customer focus, and really bring a value to our customer. And throughout my career, I have a you know, great fortune to take our marketing roles, so product management, strategic supply chain. And leading engineer development and the sales operation, sales up to you know today's position as a chief growth officer at a Tiger. So it's been it's been a very rich, rewarding experience.
1: What in your upbringing set you up for this career path? As you look back on it
0: now. Oh, I was born and raised in China. It's probably very different from uh, how most of people grow up here. But I think what I would say it's really Working as a team to learn how you work together as a group. That is pretty important. I think it's as a career. If I
1: can, I'm going to jump around ahead on a couple of questions here because what you just said kind of leads into logically to this next one. But you ran Trina's global marketing from San Jose. And I'm really interested in finding out from you what challenges did you find in managing a multinational team? within a global company, and what advice do you have for people who are doing that now and having to bridge cultural differences within a corporate team?
0: Yeah, that's an excellent question. It sounds like very simple. Most people would say, well, you have to understand the culture. You have to understand the local business. I mean, those two are foundation, but you really have to be on the ground to trust your team there and really understand their needs you know, the presence is really important. Be with them to understand their need to build that connection. Uh, We cannot travel all the time, especially now imposing more travel challenges. But I think once you build a connection with a team to hear from them and take their input, you know, a lot of leadership has to be localized to, to meet the local requirement. China is such a major player in
1: the global clean economy industry. What are the cultural differences that our American listeners need to know about in working with their Chinese colleagues and counterparts? What are the main cultural differences that you have noticed and have understood that they have to be bridged
0: in order to have successful multinational teams? It's a communication. All right. It's, uh, what I mean, is not about language communication. It's really about how... We communicated an issue, approached the problem. It's a very sometimes it's different from their mindset. How they communicate the problem. So, understanding the subtlety, understanding how people approaching problem and looking for resolution is very different, including where they are looking for managers' input. It's mm-hmm. it's very different. I think it, then there's a company culture as well, right? So each company has its own culture. So I think, it, you know, it's really important to understand that those subtleties than being a good listener. So one of our listeners might say, okay, so Jing, how
1: does a Chinese team typically approach a problem versus how an American team would approach a problem? Can you say a little bit more about the differences in approach and assumptions?
0: Usually the team, uh, you know, one thing in China is a very young group of uh, engineers because the company is just, you know, the renewable is like going, you know, exponentially growth. Typically looking for manager to give them an answer, very few are willing to challenge the assumptions. So, I think it's really important to, to encourage the culture for them to be able to speak up, uh, speak their mind to really empowering them. I think uh, in, in the US, I think uh, same thing would need to be empowering the people, empower the team. But I think in China, you need to do a little bit more so really to make them feel comfortable to speak uh, their mind, to challenge their assumptions.
1: What are three things you know now about leadership that you wished you knew when you first started managing other people?
0: I think it's a lot about being, I would say, being human in a lot of ways. I think, you know, when you just started as a new newer leader, oftentimes feel. Scared to be vulnerable. I think it, you know, makes us create a little bit barrier with a with a team we work together. But I think it's a contrary make you be a much more effective leader if you're being a human, knowing you don't know everything and being a good listener. Um, then I think, it, to me, I find it's very important uh, to bring a team together to bring the right people uh, work together. Second, I would say. It's building a culture and accountability, right? So we're all depending on each other, building a culture of accountability. And then lastly, it's also quite important that we should have fun. I think when we work all together, we should have fun together as well.
1: As a woman, have you found challenges that you think female executives more commonly encounter than their male counterparts?
0: Hmm I think that the environment for female executives I think it has changed quite a bit in the last few years right so I found the most challenging early in my career I would say it's a networking to further group of people where both internally and externally to networking, they can form a support system. The landscape has changed quite a bit uh, in the last few years. I'm very happy to see it, but I think we need to continue to nurture and building this network to support each other.
1: Jing, were the challenges that you cited in that last answer that you faced because you were a female leader? Was that because you were a young woman, or was it because it was more the time and the age in which you had entered the workforce?
0: It's a good question. I haven't really thought about it. Probably could be a both, right? So, as a young female leader entering the industry, um, you know that's about 15 years ago. Uh, most of the uh, leaderships was male. You know, just socially, I don't feel very comfortable having a social interaction, or sometimes I'm way too self conscious. I think, uh, you know, if I were to give advice to younger, younger, uh, younger of myself, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to go out, make, uh, make a connection, so do a network, I think a lot of people will be more than happy to, you know, share their experience to, to be a mentor. I think it's, you know, very important to have a mentor uh, early on in the career.
1: You started your career in tech and then you joined renewables. What drew you to this sector?
0: I think I would look at the renewables got lots of, uh, um, you know, it's going to be the economy. And uh, I was working in different tech company and one of the area uh, with my background, I saw a technology application for solar cell, and I firmly believe the renewable is the economy uh, in the foreseeable future. I wanna just make things really impactful and meaningful. Um, so that's drew journey into the renewable.
1: You quit your job tomorrow and you become a business school professor, and you're gonna deliver your introductory class on corporate leadership. How would you describe the role of the effective
0: clean economy leader? I think it is uh, you got to have a passion. You got to share your passion with your team. You have to be passionate about believing what you do. Secondly, is uh, being an effective leader, it's really need to share your vision. Because if the shared vision brings all the team together, right? So then that's what it's uh, tremendous. Uh, energy and the power. Then, you know, lastly, it's really um, being human. I think it's a humanity. It's really important to be an effective leader uh, and then bring the right people to work together because nobody knows everything. It's really important for the team to share a common vision and then work together to, you know, um, bring out the best of everyone.
1: Having made that switch from another sector into clean economy, have you noticed differences in being a clean economy company leader versus a leader in a company in a more mature sector? Are there differences? And
0: if so, what are they? I would say it's only the fundamental being an effective leader, there's no difference from one segment to the other. But I think in the clean economy, this is fast growth, lots of learning happening. So we must stay flexible. And uh, you know, there's some uncertainties, uh, you know, policy uncertainties, uh, others. But with the latest um, policy, I hope this is, it's very clear that a clean economy is the way to go. But that's really we must stay flexible because there's a lot of new learnings. But we also can take a lot of uh, success from other segments to help grow mature the clean. Economy is uh, mostly a lot of different companies based on uh, different technology. I want to ask
1: you two questions about hiring. It's okay. often cited as one of the most challenging parts of leading companies. What have you learned about hiring?
0: I think you got to have a very clear vision of the company's culture and the vision. Then you're going to bring your people who really um, exemplify the value of the company. There's a you know, a lot of new workforce out there. A lot of people wanted to learn clean economy. I, you know, I always, you know, one of my line in hiring, I always value potential over experience. I mean, of course, I would love to have people with lots of experience and then a perfect match. But a lot of time, um, not the case because, as you, you mentioned, um, it's a lot of new workforce. People don't have you know, 10, 15 years experience. But I think all of them is a great addition to the company. But it's important is to uh, align the vision and the culture of the company. When you're interviewing
1: candidates, how do you try to find out that match with their potential and the vision that you're communicating are there things that you ask and are there ways that you structure the interview process to learn the most about their potential
0: oh there are so many good questions you can ask but i think you know we all know that like, we should be focused on the behavior interview questions depends the type of roles and the job i'm looking for so i mean obviously i'm looking for people whether it's a good team player whether they can handle personal stress, you know, whether pe- a person are detail-oriented, depends on the type of job. Some people as a, you know, more people-oriented, uh, love to talk to people. So, you know, I usually typically try to understand the person, for example, uh, what are you know, your most recent accomplishments that were what you most proud of? So, or, you know, what are the things you've done recently you wish it done differently? Through that conversation, it's really to understand the person and, you know, um, some of those aspects I just add, uh, listed earlier. Sometimes I like to throw off the wall questions, um, <laughs> you know, even about trying to understand, for example, I wanted someone to be a very good mechanical engineer, I would ask them what kind of hobbies they do, then help me understand whether a person loves to building things, or it's very much a hands-on, has a lot of a different skill set. It would be great, uh, you know, in the lab. So it's just through different questions to understand a person.
1: When you have taken over a leadership position at a company and you inherited a team of people, I've often heard that it's also more art than science in deciding who to keep and
0: who to let go. How have you handled that challenge? Um, yeah, I usually really spend the time to get to know the people. Personally, I really don't like let people go. <laughs> I think everyone has a place in the company. Uh, we just had to find out what makes them happy, and the, what are the company's needs. Um, you know, through restructure. Uh, you know, uh, reorganization to really empowering everyone, and um, for people, obviously, you know, good performance. So we just have to find a, a right place for everybody to shine. But then you find that people is not a good fit. Mostly, I would say, most of not fit it is a culture a mismatch, right? So in those cases, uh, unfortunately, you have to let people go. Are there certain qualities you're looking for, or certain
1: behaviors that you're looking for? in people that you've inherited that you have to manage? Okay, I'm, I have to evaluate whether or not I'm going to keep Mike on my team. <laughs> Are there things that you're going to look for in me, whether I do them or say them, that will tell you I'm a good fit to keep on or you need to move me somewhere else?
0: Yeah, some of the traits I'm looking for is, uh, um, number one, is the person um, flexible, right? Because the things will change, company product will change, the company goals could move. Is the person flexible? then the second is the person have a desire for growth, right? And uh, believing in the company. And uh, is the person a very good team player? I think it's more so than ever. We really need a a very good team players. Uh, And uh, does a person actually... Step up under stress, right? None of those sales in the order of importance. And also, you know, some people are a little bit stronger on one aspect than the other. But it's just overall, you're really looking for a good contributor, uh, really care with a passion uh, for the company's uh, mission and the vision. When you have to let people go, what is
1: the guidance that you offer to? other clean tech company leaders on having to fire people?
0: I must say first on the history, I haven't fired many people I can recall, but in general I always believe the goodness in everyone, unless it's some really bad apples. And oftentimes it's a fit issue. It's not a good fit for what company needs or what this person's skills. I usually, you know, trying to have a candid conversation really help the, uh, the person finding the right fit, a right company for them. Because oftentimes, I think it, they all come in with a passion for the renewables. So like I'd like to see if it's not a succeed, successful in my company in this role. I, I wish them to be successful in different company, in different role, perhaps they can shine there. What is the most valuable interview question you have ever been asked? I find the most valuable question is uh, it's really about very reflective question. So it can be faced in various different ways. You know, tell me about the uh, most recent achievement that you're most excited about it. Or tell me about the most recent failure or mistake you made. What did you learn from it? And I think these type of questions I heard many and faced differently. But I think in general, it's really to see the person, the reflective. uh, uh, A person reflect oftentimes is a person will learn from its own success or failure. And uh, that's where what, what I call the growth mindset, right? So you can grow from there.
1: Given mm-hmm. what you're seeing as a clean tech leader, as a mother, as someone who's been in this industry for quite a long time now, are you a climate optimist or a climate pessimist?
0: I am a internal optimism. <laughs> so I... I believe the we have a, come a long way. Um, I, I think we still have a long way to go, and uh, you know. I must stay optimistic. I think there's, I look at my, as you mentioned, as a mother, I look at my son's generation who is, you know, just into the college life. Well, things they care about, it. They the passion in the younger generation, it makes me very happy. I think, you know, we all together, okay, definitely make a difference. I think the, you know, the clean energy is the way to go, is the economy, yeah, for the future, yeah. So now I'm going to ask
1: a a slight variation of that question. Mm -hmm. Are you a clean economy optimist? And if so, what makes you optimistic? Things you're seeing right now in the marketplace that give you long-term hope that climate solutions technologies can grow and scale and become the mainstream that, that you saw when you first learned about renewables way back when?
0: I see quite a few um, changes, um, uh, the clean economy with the project financing, people get into very, very creative with the various investment into the clean economy, right? So with the energy crisis in Europe, in the sense is unfortunate case, but on the other hand, I think, uh, you know, the growth, the clean economy in Europe is second to none right now. And the, with the latest the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, I'm so excited. I, and then with the, the investment into the clean energy, then I see you know the scale from uh, solar to solar plus storage to hydrogen. I think a couple years ago, hydrogen was a new thing. Now, it's sort of uh, a hydrogen um, become a, a economy in its own. And then we start talk about long duration and the EV charges, EV costs. So all this I can see is the entire ecosystem is really going to uh, bring up the clean economy.
1: Jing, I have so enjoyed having you on the show. I have enjoyed working for you over the years, being your advisor and being your friend and your fellow traveler. And I'm just really looking forward to having this episode get out there. And I'm just, um, I'm grateful that you took the time to join us on the show. Thank you so, so much.
0: Thank you. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, our thanks to Jing Tang, the Chief Growth Officer at Tigo Energy, for her time today. This is Scaling Clean, a production of TigerCom, and I am Mike Casey. Thanks for joining us. You can subscribe to our show for free anywhere you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.